Greetings and salutations to all humans and various multiforms in the sound of my voice. This is Sophistic Steve's Rhetoric Universe Podcast. Hello, I'm Dr. Steve Yano. I'm a rhetoric professor here in New York City, and I bid you greetings, whether you are terrestrial, at sea, or in the air. If you're in the air, good luck with that uh, that uh, Wi-Fi on the plane bill. My goodness. Yikes. Uh, this is an experimental podcast in orality. It's verbal blogging. I'm trying my best at it. I'm trying to see what it does, and I'm just going to keep doing it in the short form of the micro podcast, just to see where it goes and uh, to see if this really helps uh, you and helps me. And I mean, I'm such an oral person, and I'm so driven by words that uh, this comes very naturally to me. But it might sound very scary to you. I just kind of sit down. I don't really have a script. I bet, but you're like, okay, that explains why these are so bad. Don't really have a script. I just kind of riff. I'm just kind of sitting. It's like if I was a musician, this would be me sitting at the piano, tingling around, tinkering around with the keys. That's kind of what I'm doing here. It's like sitting at the piano, just kind of playing a few things, seeing how they sound. Open rehearsal. But it is also a rhetorical product. I'm trying to influence you in some way, right? But most scary, and the topic for this discussion today is that it has a sense of permanence, right? Like I put this out on the internet, it's there forever. And boy, howdy, do I know that. When I was a master's student, <laughs> one of the first things I published as a master's student was this essay I thought was really good at the time about Jack Kerouac's book, Dharma Bums, and, and uh, the character Jaffe Ryder, who's based on the real-life Oregon, uh, Pacific Northwest Oregon poet and translator Gary Snyder, uh, who was also known as an avid environmental activist and all this. I, I wrote this uh, paper, I thought it was great. Presented at a conference, got into a book. Uh, this thing haunts me. It's out there. People cite it. And I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Now that's health. That part is healthy. I don't think it's healthy for me to be judging it by my own conditions today as a writer. But I think this is why writing is scary. That's what I want to talk about today. Why is writing so scary for people? Why is writing something that people avoid? Academics I know will clean their entire house. They will scrub floorboards and say, this has to be done today, before they sit down and write. But as you know, I try to write a thousand words every day. I did it today, did it yesterday. And a lot of these words people will never see, but it's an essential kind of composting, maybe, is what I've been thinking about. And we don't think of writing in that metaphor. We have one metaphor for writing, one, and that is eternal permanence. A map of your brain, an unchangeable MRI, or an unchangeable portrait of your heart and the feelings in it that will not alter. And that kind of permanent stamp is terrifying. You're supposed to think first, read first. Writing is the permanent result. And through that, through your writing, I can know your mind and your heart. No wonder people do not like doing writing. No wonder people try to avoid it. It's frightening and terrifying because we think of it that way. But let's try to unpack that. There's always been a fear of writing. There's always been fear. Plato talked about fear of writing in Phaedrus. Writing makes the mind weak. People get hold of your ideas who don't deserve to see them. God, think about the ego on Socrates and Plato with that line, right? I want to control who sees my ideas. It's almost kind of like a 
uh, it makes T.S. Eliot look open, right? T.S. Eliot's like, well, you can figure out my ideas if you do a bunch of research and look at these footnotes and learn some Greek, right? Poets must be difficult, right? That great um, quote from Eliot, which gets misquoted. It's from his introduction to the book, The Metaphysical Poets. People will say poetry should be difficult, and they dismiss Eliot with this. No, no, poets should be difficult. And the reason why is because we live in a hyper-saturated, hyper-duper, supermax communicative environment full of irony, full of cynicism, full of symbolism, full of everything, saturated, just dripping with it. So if you're going to be a poet, you have to be difficult, which means you need to crack through that by being something attractive and tough and worth some attention. Writing is terrifying, right? We have to be that. That's like the model. But what if writing is like keeping a garden? Whether you're growing vegetables, flowers, whatever you're doing, keeping a garden. Think about gardening. What comes to mind when we talk about gardening? Well, it's a seasonal activity. It's an outdoor activity. It's solitary, and it's helping things grow. And then things that are kind of adjacent to gardening, like um, composting, which is what I think my daily writing practice is, is composting. I'm creating my own fertilizer for the flowers that I will plant, perennials I will grow in my garden, which would be the way I see my published work. That thing I, po- I published as a master's student is a garden long ago, and that's really just a photograph about it. That's really just a photograph of it. So in thinking about it as just a photograph, why does it bother me? I planted that, I nurtured it and grew it, and I did the best job I could, and there's the plant. And people might share that picture of that plant. But that doesn't have anything to do with what I'm growing today, does it? Does it? I mean, I guess you could say some of that plant might be in the compost, but more importantly, some of that experience is still with me. Some of that perspective is still with me. And I like to think about that. I like to think of that as an experience that's still with me and not a permanent reflection of who I am. And my discomfort of seeing that piece cited, Yano 2002, is really just, it just helps me understand how far I have come as a thinker, as somebody dedicated to a life of inquiry and investigation of weird stuff, which is what the coolest part, I mean, I don't know, the coolest part about being a professor is being around young people all the time and hearing their questions and teaching them and talking to them and getting them to have that moment of experiencing that amazingly good essay that first time. God, I wish I could go back and look at some of this stuff again. The permanence of writing, something we fear ourselves, but think about that essay or that book that you wish you could reread. God, wouldn't that be nice to go back and have that moment again? I get butterflies just thinking about it, feeling a little bit of a energy right now, thinking about that, that moment. I have the for, the great fortune of being somebody who can be with people when they first read that mind-bending piece and have that revolutionary experience. Not in terms of an overthrow, but in terms of what goes around what, the way I really like to think about revolution. What orbits what? And the Copernican revolution is that kind of revolution that in the university I really, really cherish. I try to make that happen. I'm committed to making that happen. And I uh, didn't do such a good job with that in the spring, man. That was the worst teaching semester I've ever had was last spring. If you're listening to this in the far future, I'm talking about 
spring of 2021, my worst teaching performance of my life. And yes, I'm counting my first year of teaching high school at 23 years old. It's an art. It's an art, baby. What can you do? But if you're scared of writing, just try to think of it in a metaphor that eliminates this idea of permanence. Would gardening be so great if the garden was a one-time thing, permanent? You did it and it was there forever? People would hate that. You nurture it. You grow it. You enjoy it. It dies. The field is fallow. Writing is a practice that is cyclical and seasonal. And it's about growing things that you enjoy in the moment and then they're gone. I cannot know your mind and I cannot know your heart through your writing, but it might encourage me to want to get to know you better. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to, th- to this. Dr. Steve Yano, rhetoric professor in New York, sophisticsteve.substack.com. Please share this with somebody if you found this valuable and also consider subscribing to the Substack. We'd love, 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 love to have you as a regular subscriber where I write, I post pictures, I post YouTube videos, do all kinds of stuff on there. It's kind of a fun place. And I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Give me your comments. I want to know what you think. Let me know what you think and how you feel about this. All right, thank you very much for listening and I'll see you next week.